0: Hello and welcome to the Red Nets, the official podcast of Empire the Cop. We have Steve Carson back in the house today. And as ever, Rick Elliott and of course, myself, Farrell Keeling. I I don't know why I
1: did a little wave there, because this
2: is an audio (laughs) podcast. (laughs) (laughs) yeah I always smile
0: um, and nod as well i've no idea why none of you none of you our listeners have a clue what we're doing at this moment um but safe to say it's all above board it's all clean no <laughs> now that just makes it sound shady. that just sounds dodgy like we're all just in skins with you know pints of lager in our hands it, it's all it's all fine guys it's all fine um we're still Moving celebrating when to- <laughs> United win. Yeah, no, well, yeah, exactly. We've got a lot to celebrate um, after that United game. I mean, a free 2 win that, uh, go Madrid, the 5-0 United win. We've got another 2-0 win in the bag at Preston. Um, I just want to get you your guys' opinions on this. I mean, cause the first half, it, it was a bit poor and Preston looks the more likely of the two sides to get a goal. You know, we had some Adrian Herrocs earlier, you know, in the half to sort of keep us involved in the game. Uh, Steve, you know what, what? did you make
2: of that? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was, I was in and out the game. I was busy doing some other things. But you know, I was I paid attention in the first half, which is probably my mistake. Uh, maybe that's what turned me off it's slightly at half I time mean, we didn't look like our usual selves in, that, in in the first half but obviously in the second half we did turn it on again uh, which was good to see it's also nice to just see a couple of um, of the lads who don't get as many op- uh, opportunities getting on the score sheet as well uh, in Origi and Minamino um, I'm sure we'll talk quite a bit about them goals in particular shortly but yeah it was it was great to see some of the young lads involved as well and, and Simikas involved again just these players that are on the free it's always nice to get them involved. And, you know, RB teams are stringing along in the League Cup. And, you know, we already know that there's going to be a new winner this year. So why not us? No, exactly. Exactly. I think, we, you know, we've, we've done well to sort of progress this far. I think this
0: season, you know, I mean, obviously everyone's going to point to the heroics of uh, uh, Mohamed Salah and for good reason. Um, but I think, you know, what sort of goes under the radar almost is, is how well our backup options are are performing this season compared to the last. I mean, Rick, you know, second half we sort of came out, we we're, were a bit more sort of involved in the game. You know, Tyler Morton looked impressive. Uh, Jones looked a bit more impressive, I think. Um, and obviously we had those two goals from Minamino and a spectacular effort, which I'll also be getting Steve's opinion on in just a moment. But I mean, what, what, did, you, what did you make of all that?
1: Um I mean, I mean, I like say it's just it's a it's a solid effort from the um from the backup options. I mean, the first the, for the first twenty minutes or so, we'd sort of like held held them back. Uh, there was a graphic that came up, and it was just like the average position of their players, and they were all pretty much like hugging you know their their goal line. It was just ridiculous how far pushed back they were. Uh, yeah, the, the the second half was just complete i mean they 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 managed to work their way back into it um but we were still sort of a very uh, like driving force uh, throughout the game which i, I think is 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 testament to the quality of the the backup i mean granted we're not we're not going to ha- ever have a second string team like man united do uh, man city sorry or uh, chelsea um but the fact that chelsea are now out uh, sorry man, i can't that my i'm <laughs> mixing my teams up here man, the fact that man city are out the competition now this is our chance to win it And unfortunately, I don't think that the, if we're going to, if the opportunity that's presented itself to us now, um, if we really need to grasp it by, you know, by the scruff of the neck, then I don't think half the players that played last night will feature going forward. You know, like you'd still have your Adrian's, but like the younger players don't get me wrong. They did a phenomenal job last night, but you know, your you, you Dixon Bonners and all those like the, they're the calibre that you, you'd you hope you'd sort of phase out as we get towards the the back end of this competition I know it's not really Klopp's style he's more likely to reward players and go you know like this is you know, you've got us this far so you might as well carry on but like personally I, I feel like we should I mean like it's been five years since City have been you know, have, haven't been winning this competition. And now that they're no longer in it, I mean, we it, we might as well just try and bring in more higher quality players into the starting 11. And then you can phase in those like youth players as the match goes on. But once you've sort of established yourself in the game, where, whereas like last night we we started with quite a fairly young squad. And by the end of it, it was just like pretty much an under 21s team. So yeah, I, I think that going forward, that's the way we, we need to approach the competition. Just a slight tweak. But I mean, for the most part, I mean, the lads did all right. I mean, the Minamino goal was great. The 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 Origi goal was just like Puskas all the years. Um, <laughs> it's like, you can't, I, I mean, it was entertaining to say the least in the second half. Not so much the first half, but the second half was, it had its moments. And then Nico Williams, I mean, like, I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't touched on him. He was, you know, he could have had uh, a hat trick of assists. He could have had uh, he could have had his own goal if he had to You know, if he if, if he just squared it and got his hat trick of assists, and that would have been phenomenal. But, you know, once his once his goal, don't blame him. But I mean, really, he should have passed it at the very end. But it is what it is. And you know, I think we're just getting a bit greedy after all these like five nil wins and you know three twos and all that. It's just yeah, a, a two nil win is a solid two nil win and you know, you can't, can't go wrong with that.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, I think there's, there's obviously only so much you can expect once you change around, uh, the team so much and, and bring on this sort of influx of sort of Academy, uh, starlets. But, um, I mean, before we move on to Origi's goal, actually, you made an interesting point there, obviously, about the second string, particularly if we compare to the likes of Manchester City and Chelsea. Obviously, we can't necessarily compete with the quality they can put out just as a second string alone. But I mean... It had me sort of thinking, is that necessarily a disadvantage if we look towards the long term? We're giving these academy stars minutes, valuable minutes that could, you know, that, that could be the difference between determining if they're ready to make that leap into the, the first team or whether they're not quite and they can just go for a healthy profit in the near future. I mean, I mean Steve, I want to come to you with this because obviously the, the obvious advantage of having as strong a second string as the likes of Chelsea, as the likes of Manchester City, is you can compete actively, oral all fronts beyond the Premier League, beyond the Champions League. But is there something to be said for the fact that we are able to give these young players minutes?
2: Yeah, I think there's definitely an element to that too. I think um, I think there's no sort of denying that Curtis Jones uh, was really helped by competitions when he was breaking onto the scene. Uh, so if we can find ourselves the next Curtis Jones who can break through to the team, that's arguably bigger than winning the trophy itself for me uh, to to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, I think the second string that we've got featuring a few of the young lads, I think they're capable enough to go on in the tournament. Um, like Rick suggested though, I do think uh, Jürgen will be sticking mainly to the core that he's, that he's got. Um, I think we we probably will see some of my, maybe the bigger names feeding into the uh, the games if we need them. Maybe we'll see the likes of Salah on the bench if we make it to the semi-finals, for example, stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's always a great a great platform to be able to put these young lads out in, in a tournament. That I mean, in my opinion, I don't even think it should, it should it should exist, but it does, and it's a great platform for these kinds of young players to actually get out there, get some games, and ultimately. If we go on to win it, and these players will put themselves into the history of the football club, like before the recent successes, I remember the 2012 uh, League Cup win, and that stuck with me for a number of years. Now, you'd you'd like that to not be your flagship trophy for like the best part of a decade, but it was... Um, and it's only because we've won the Premier League and the Champions League that we now look at the League Cup and go, eh, it's it's a nothing tournament. But you know, for for, for clubs, or the cl- all the clubs that compete in it, it's, it's particularly the Premier League clubs. It is just sort of put out your B team, put out your youth players, and yeah, for them, it's it's great and it's, it's it is enjoyable to see.
1: I I'd, I'd like to argue that like you say, going back to the point about like having the the youth players have a have a chance at uh, regular like first team football. I would argue that. Yeah, it's it's great when you have a full like a full team of youth playing in these in these kind of competitions, but really sprinkling in more seasoned players, if you if injuries and whatnot will allow it, means that we can go further in the competitions, which means these youth players that like, you know, if you if you say a quarter or a half of the team are made up of more seasoned regulars, and then the rest are are filled out with your academy, then the academy players are going to get the the experience that they require whilst also progressing further in the tournament to get more games under the belt because look how like for the last few seasons we've got like one or two games into the tournament and then that's it you're out fa cup's the same you know and yeah we've had we've had some dire luck with some of the draws um you know And you look at city and some of the some of the draws that they've had and it's like you know versus the dog and duck pub or whatever like the <laughs> not that kind of quality but you know what I mean like and then we've been getting premier league teams pretty much every other round I know that some of that is it's fixture dependent but at the same time I feel like we really need to be putting more into the teams so that we can get further so that more play more academy players can get more experience in the long run
0: no it, it's a delicate balancing act, to an extent. I mean, I mean, I don't think any of us would shed a tear um, if we were to sort of drop out in the next round of the competition. It, it's they're, they're simply bigger fish to fry. But I mean, Steve, I'm glad you mentioned the 2012 League Cup because that's one I sort of fondly uh, remember as well. Um, and before we move on, I, I just want to sort of quickly get your your thoughts on that Divakarigi goal. I mean, uh, Rick described it as sort of all the Puskas goals rolled into one.
2: I mean, but how how would you describe it? Uh, it's, it's the epitome of the Origi, isn't it? At the end of the day, the man doesn't come on and score tappings, The man comes on and scores absolutely ridiculous goals. And, you know, Scorpion lobbed the goalkeeper. It's it's what he does. It's, it, I'm not at all surprised. No, no, all right, I'm surprised. That he <laughs> but I'm not surprised that if that goal happened, it's Origi on the pitch who scored it. That doesn't surprise me. He is the king of these kinds of goals. And, you know, it's it's nice to see him... It's nice to see him scoring in a Liverpool kit again. Like he's obviously he's got that cult hero status, and it's for go scoring goals like this. He just pops up and scores a memorable goal, gives us all these memories, and yeah, it's great to see him doing it again. And I, I hope he continues doing it in the league. Oh
1: a it, divokarigi is like a cheat code, but you've only got like a certain, like a limited number of uses. Like it, it's <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, it's the Tinder boost or whatever. It's like, I want some matches. I'm going to use Tinder boost and I've got 30 minutes worth. And there we go. Like, great. Okay. I've got loads of matches and then it's just nothing for like a, a good few weeks. Like uh, that's not close to home at all. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's that um, it's, it's the, he just like like you say comes on and does these like amazing moments, and then there's like nothing from him. Like he pretty much contributes nothing to most games that he comes on the pitch, apart from these where he just comes on. It's like Divacarigi is the greatest player to ever walk the earth. What are you on about, Mo Mousalap? Yeah. Divacarigi, mate. Like obviously, look at this highlight reel. Like where it's just those bangers, and it and like you could sell him oh, yeah. to literally any club in the world. If like, you just, just ignore show, yeah. all the other fixtures like these clips, these highlights right here on this YouTube compilation, boom
0: if you just showed that highlight reel, you'd think he was sort of Messiesque esque his level of contribution. It would, it would be. <laughs> what do you mean, like Messi? <laughs> you know, forgive me. Of course he is. He is our Lord and Savior. But I mean, he's such a he's such a bizarrely wonderful player, Zivokarig. And I think we will all very much miss him um, as and when he does go. Um, but you know, we've been absolutely spoilt for joyous moments of late. I mean, we'd be remiss before we look ahead to Brighton, and uh, we'll be chatting about that later with uh, freelance journalist Charlie Haffenden, uh, so keep an eye out for that. But we'd be remiss not to touch on that 5-0 thumping (laughs) of Manchester United in their back garden. I mean, (sighs) stay. I'm going to come to you here first. Were you expecting anything like the utter (laughs) destruction of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's men at Old Trafford?
2: Right. So I wasn't on the podcast with you guys for that one, but uh, I definitely wouldn't have not i wouldn't have said that i'd sat there and gone yeah five nil nobody's lads but i'd have probably said it would it would have been possible that we could blow them away because they'd look like they've got a lot of cracks going on and we look like we're in a position to blow away a team and you know liverpool are going to be up for manchester united no matter what happens no matter what competition all the time 100 percent up for it and the way united were playing as i say they had the cracks were there it was possible that it, it could have all fell apart and it did um i probably would have predicted something like 3-1 before the game uh, and that would have been me feeling confident um 5-0 never in my wildest dreams could i have predicted 5-0 um it it got to the point where it was funny um and that's not a good thing for manchester united <laughs> um we shouldn't be watching that game and be relaxed to the point that I feel like I'm watching a comedy. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the clown of the comedy obviously is Oleg Gunnar Solskjaer um, because the way that his defensive lineup was set up, it was just. It got carved open by Mohamed Salah, a bit like Jordan Henderson's pass to Mohamed Salah. is probably a fantastic metaphor. It came straight to my head then when I said carve, because that's what that pass did. And it was too easy for Liverpool. It looked like Liverpool were doing some sort of training, exhibition-type thing. It was just... That was not Manchester United. And to say that Cristiano Ronaldo was on the pitch as well is also a bit of a joke. I barely saw the man, apart from the times, really just was so desperately trying to get onto the score sheet and not helping his teammates. It was embarrassing for Manchester United and it was hilarious for Liverpool.
0: I mean, it, it was just such a, a risk of almost sort of devaluing what Liverpool showed on the pitch. Because I think, you know, to an extent, we did sort of take uh, the foot off the gas in the, in the second half a bit when they were sort of kicking up us about. You know, we sort of went, oh, OK, right. You know, you're, you're injuring half our players here. So we'll, we'll just step back a bit. But uh, I mean, Rick, you know, you were there for the sort of podcast last week. We spoke to Dale O'Donnell from Stretty News. He, he was sort of cautious. Um prior to the game though we admitted sort of when he was physically at, they sort of, it feel a bit more sort of confident uh, in Ole men. But I mean, w- what did you make of all that?
1: I mean, I'm glad that you said we took our foot off the pedal because I kind of, I was going to say that like, I think we underperformed like we, <laughs> that could have easily have been 10 nil, 12 nil. Like the, the, it was only after Nabi Kaita came off that it was like, okay, um, you know, that was like he was absolutely, like you say, carving them apart. And, and and that really sort of took the wind out of our sails. But I mean, if Nabi was on the pitch, and it's not very often you get to say this, but like, you know, if Nabi Kaita was still like absolutely walking around strutting his stuff, then it would have been of like Premier League record territory for a game against one of your biggest rivals it's just unheard of by the time ronaldo's goal was uh called offside by var i was just howling like howling with laughter like like i had people in the household just like look at me like i was just like clinically insane it was just like it, it just it was you couldn't get it any more perfect it's one of those for the history books I mean, like we had the the previous game with the you know with with Gerard kissing the camera and all that kind of stuff. We've had games like that in the past, but not like this, you know, not this dominating, you know, two goals within quick succession at the very start of the game. And then like it's just all downhill from there for united. like this is one of those where I have a feeling that. When it when it comes down to sitting, you know, little Rick, little, like, you know, when I have a kid, that's not, not a euphemism or anything like that, <laughs> but when I have a kid and I'm like sitting him down and he's like, so dad, look, you know, what were Liverpool like in the Klopp era? It's one of those things where I'm like, all right, let me get the recording out because this is, this is one of the best games that, we, that Klopp's had in terms of just annihilating opposition and not just any opposition, Man United
0: it's like that Simpsons meme isn't it almost with the uh, uh, the grandfather sort of sitting down
1: <laughs> talking yeah. to his kids
0: talking to all these kids
1: I it, had, had be... an onion on my belt yeah <laughs> the style at the time
0: yeah no, it'll, be, it'll be all of us I think with our, with our kids sort of, later on when we're on our sort of 30th or thirty first league title um, but I, I, I mean I, I'm still sort of lost for words um, but <laughs> um, I mean, I mean we've seen sort of even in sort of the cup game with the chance of uh, Ole's at the wheel sort of mockingly sang in the Preston game I think also in Leeds United and uh, West Ham's game uh, during uh, the, their sort of cup uh, d- uh, defeat of Manchester City to knock them out. Oh, so um, I was going to say
1: like I think we've just like unlocked another level of humiliation for Manchester United like the fact that other teams who weren't involved are getting in on that chant and like yeah okay it was a it was a thing before Liverpool came in and walked and walked all over them but there's no going back from here is what I'm saying. Like it's it's just a mockery and everyone will remember and he could come back and, you know, still retain his job and be in the job for another six, seven, eight months, hopefully more, but no one will remember. No one will forget this moment. You know, like, it's just like, remember that time when they had Ronaldo and Sancho and all that, and and they still couldn't beat, A Liverpool team that had like midfield issues, you know. We were, and let's not forget that like we're pretty down on like healthy midfielders. Like you know, we've got Harvey Elliott out. You know, we've got Thiago out. Like that wasn't even our full strength squad. Like if that was our full strength squad, like just imagine how. I mean, like I was saying, we could have got twelve nil if it hadn't been for Kaita. If we'd had a full squad and we'd have done that, oh.
0: Oh no, it it would have been entirely, entirely brutal Um, and sort of at risk of further humiliating United fans. And uh, I think we should probably move on to the upcoming Brighton game. Uh, We we were in touch and we had a little chat with Charlie Haffenden of Brighton Hove Albion today. And let's give that a little look. Charlie, welcome to the show. Thanks, mate. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, no, I'm great. I'm great. It's lovely to have you on board. And well, I mean, Charlie, I just want to get right into the thick of this because obviously you're coming off the back of a uh, a penalty shootout defeat to Leicester City after going 2 all at full time. Also a 4-1 loss in the league to Manchester City. But you're fifth in the Premier League, two points off the top four. And you're ahead of typical be- uh, big hitters in the league like Man- Manchester United, Leicester and Arsenal. I mean, just looking at sort of your prior seasons, I think in the last two, at the same stage this season, you, you were 16th in the table with nine points. Um, I mean, it's a massive, massive improvement sort of since uh, Graham Potter came in and took charge. And I mean, from your perspective, how come things are going so well for Brighton in this season? And, you know, have your own expectations in terms of what's achievable for the team changed at all?
3: I think it's really quite strange, to be fair, because our performances are kind of carried on from last season. but We've not actually created as many chances as we did last campaign. Like last campaign, you'll probably remember the whole expected goals thing, where Brighton were up in the top six in those tables. But we were actually kind of in the bottom half in the relegation battle as such. And this year, we've not created as many chances. You look at the expected goal statistics, we're quite low down. We've actually only scored nine goals. I think it's just kind of gone all right for us in terms of the actual results in a lucky sense maybe you could maybe look at it like that because all the goals all the games we've played have been very low scoring and we just seem to be on the right side of decisions and it's as if we're cashing in on the kind of unfortunate events of last season and finally getting up the table. I'm not saying we're completely lucky to be where we are because Graham Potter is a fantastic coach. He's got us playing some really nice football. One of the brightest sides in the Premier League, I'd say, in terms of low budget. Great football, We probably deserve to be up there in that sense. But if you actually look at the goals scored, not great. <laughs> I think it's got a lot down to our defence, though, because... Although Ben White's left, a £50 million defender going to Arsenal, uh, Lewis Dunk is kind of the core of that defence and having someone like Adam Webster alongside and Dan Byrne, who's looked very solid, Joel Veltman, Shane Duffy, who's come back into the fold. I think it's just that really strong core that Graham Potter relies on that goes all the way through the centre with the likes of Basuma that just carries us through. As I say, not many goals scored, but it gets us at the table. It's great.
0: No, absolutely. I think, I mean, You've been a very sort of impressive, solid sign. I think to an extent, I think in my opinion, I'd I'd say Potter doesn't really get much of the limelight or much of the praise as perhaps, you know, might be warranted. I just want to go from like your perspective here. Like, how how do you feel about Graham Potter? Like, you know, I mean, as objectively as possible, do do you feel he's massively underrated? I think he is to an
3: extent, yeah. I think that not many people before this season kind of recognised him as the manager he is. I think him being in the limelight a bit more of us being in the top five, in the top four at the end of last weekend, had the chance to go top of the league, but didn't because we drew it to Crystal Palace. That would have been the first time, actually, we'd have ever been top of the Premier League for a night. I think all other 19 sides have, and we haven't. So that would have been great. But it's all these stories in the news. Brighton has been at the forefront of a lot of it because it's a surprise package so far. You look at the rest of the top 10 and I don't know, the smallest kind of team in there is Leicester, maybe Everton. <laughs> All the other sides like Brentford have dropped away and Aston Villa and uh, Southampton and Leeds, All of those kind of teams are, are in the bottom half. We're still up there. So, of course, there's attention, Graham Potter, he's getting what he deserves because he is a fantastic coach. And he's, of course, being linked to the likes of Manchester United and the Newcastle job. I mean, Newcastle aren't great position wise, but you know what's going to happen in a few years. They're going to be up there with their Saudi Arabian money. So, yeah, I think... Um, he is underrated from last season, maybe, with those performances. But I think he's starting to get there now. People are having that conversation.
0: I think our uh, listeners are going to be very pleased uh, to hear, hear you describe Everton as a small club. Um, <laughs> but to, uh, to, to describe someone sort of a bit closer to home for both of us. Um, I mean, we were quite curious, uh, the three of us, to sort of uh, talk to you about Adam Lalana. Lallana. Yeah. And sort of how you feel, you know, he's got on at Brighton. Uh, I think he's been pretty decent to be fair
3: he's a massive name isn't he Adam Lallana when he first signed it was actually one of my first transfer scoops it's very difficult to try and get on the transfer scene especially with me being very new to it uh, but I, I had some luck in terms of some sources which gave some great information really early on broke it before anyone like the athletic or anything like that so I was following it very closely it was trying to keep my nerve because of how exciting it was a Champions League Premier League winner he's, he's Played for England for I don't even know how many appearances he's got, but he's got tons under his belts. A fantastic playmaker, someone who can really drive from the core of the the midfields. Great leadership as well. Seeing his name along with Danny Welbeck coming in was just incredible. Joel Veltman from Ajax as well, with the experience in the in the Champions League. I think he's brought so much presence at that dressing room and although he's had injury problems and we've seen that over recent seasons and he's only actually scored one goal and got one assist in 41 games that's not great but he does so much more than that just him being there with some other players i think people like basuma and gross have really pushed on alexis mcallister as well who's quite a similar type not a very well-known name at the moment but should be in a few years and adam alan will be really helping with that development he's been great in that sense
0: I mean, who's your sort of standout player been this season? Do you, do you, I mean, do you have one or is it sort of just a, a couple there that have just sort of really sort of helped you along this season so far?
3: Uh, from the start of it, the first few games, I would say Yves he picked up a knee problem and there's been lots of other speculation around him he was been, he's been fantastic. Uh, he was last season as well. There's reason why we expected him to go in the summer. One of the best bits of business for us at Brighton was keeping a hold of him because he's such an incredible player. And we've seen in the last four games where he's been absent, we've not got a single win. And we've not actually got a single win in the Premier League in 2021 without Basuma, which is just insane. We've played, I think it's five or six games without him and not got a single win in those and I think it was like a 42% win percentage with him in 2021 so that just tells you it all really he is the the person who connects the defense and the attack he just brings everything to the side so much pace and energy and he wins the ball back for the side he will have a pot from range every now and then score a screamer He just brings so much excitement and he is definitely a standout even though he's not played all nine games
0: I mean, it's, it's a level of excitement that certainly leaked over uh, in, into Merseyside because uh, as I'm sure you'll be familiar with over the summer, we were heavily uh, linked with Ibisuma along with the likes of Arsenal. I think um, I'm sure if Manchester City were tentatively linked at one point, but um, he, he's a player that has generated a lot of excitement. Um, again, I think Pascal Gross again earned a few mentions within the, the transfer rumour mill, rumor mill as far as Liverpool were concerned. But I mean, which which sort of out of those pairing, or perhaps beyond that pairing, do you believe has the biggest potential to become you know a massive world-class talent? Uh, and is there anything in these links between the likes of Pascal Gross, Yves Basuma to Anfield?
3: Okay, well, well, firstly on the links, just kind of rush over that. There, there is interest. Uh, of course there is. Yves Basuma is a brilliant player. Talking about world-class potential, he certainly has that. I think there's a few other members of the Brighton team who also... Could be put into that conversation um pasca gross I think that's a bit of a weak link so it's probably more of a backup someone to bring in if there's injuries there is interest there As well it was a few months ago anyway i'm not sure if that's been kept on or anything like that but Basuma. Definitely, he's on the radar. Of course he is. Speculation going on in the media uh, might have kind of ruined that at times, but he is someone who a lot of clubs will be looking at. Uh, Real Madrid is another one who's actually had him on the radar. Um, Arsenal, I think Manchester United took a look look at him, but kind of backing off a little bit. But I think he would fit in very well at Liverpool. He just... Oh, he's just an incredible player, to be honest. All the things I was talking about, he's the perfect box-to-box. And he's only still young 20s. He's got so much potential to turn even better. He's hes great. Um, a couple other names maybe to mention. Tarek Lamptey. Of course, he was injured since December. Has only kind of come back into the frame off the bench recently. He is a brilliant talent. I'm not sure how much you've seen of, of Tarek Lamptey. But yeah, have you seen much of him in the last year? I've, I've seen a
0: bit. I, I think, wasn't he... Really? Can you get him from Chelsea or something? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was, I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with him. I think I remember, I think the last time, I think he played against us last time. Uh, I, I remember sort of thinking, oh, you know, this absolute pocket rocket, the lad, yeah. you know, he's, he's a bit of a threat down uh, from the flank. But um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I was impressed with what I saw, but again, I didn't really uh, hear much beyond that outside of the Liverpool game. Is that one for you that sort of, again, has that world-class potential ceiling from what you've seen so far?
3: I'd say so. It's just a shame that England have so many incredible right-backs. Otherwise, he'd probably be (laughs) hedging his way into the team from his performances before December anyway. He got an awful hamstring injury, had surgery and having loads of setbacks and has only just got back into it now in October the following year. Horrendous injury he got. And hopefully that doesn't bring him back in his development because I think he's only 20 or 21 years old. He was linked with Bayern Munich for the January transfer window before he got injured. He's someone who... He would fit in well at a lot of teams. I think Chelsea have let him go poorly. I think the same with Livramento, who's gone to Southampton, another right-sided player. I think it's a shame for them because they've got Rhys James and Azpilicueta as well. That's why he was let go, but I'm not complaining. He's just got that pace, darts down the right-hand side on the overlap, can get back and defend well as well. And he's just got so much
2: tenacity
3: and flair and... He's a really exciting player and one to watch as well. He's definitely got the potential to become world-class. It's just whether he'll actually reach it with that injury. And Kukurea as well is another one to mention on the left-hand side. Quite similar in a sense. He can defend, he can attack. Great on the overlap. Got a lot of skill, confidence, vision. He came from Barcelona. There's a reason he was at the Barcelona Academy. He's got that kind of natural talent. They've developed him well, went to Jotafe, did well there, and and now he's coming and we can see what he can do. But from early signs, looks a cracking player.
0: I mean, there's quite a lot of tack when we were sort of running through the names there, and certainly um, not just from the established talents, uh, sort of like Shane Duffy, Adam Lalana, but also in terms of your up and comings. I I mean, you know we we talked sort of about your strong start this season but like realistically what's i mean how far can brighton go this season is the sky the limit or are you expecting things to sort of you know in the second half of the season sort of uh, not not collapse but like uh, perhaps more fall towards the mid table I think we've already seen that, to be honest. The first five
3: games, getting four wins was just incredible. Going to the top of the table nearly and being in the conversation of can we be top at the table at Christmas? I always bring that up, don't they? There's always some silly headlines that come about. I knew that was never going to happen. Start of the season, I was hoping for a fight towards kind of mid-table, edge into the top half maybe. But being quite realistic with it, we are only Brighton. <laughs> we've got quite a small budget and this is the best squad we've ever had some of these names, there's only a couple that probably go to the Liverpool team, but from a Brighton perspective, we've never had such a talented and deep squad. There's a lot of squad depth there as well. I think we could potentially stay in the top half after that start, take a lot of confidence from it, but looking at the City game we've just had and then Liverpool, we were never expecting anything from either of those, so we thought we'd drop back down anyway. It's just a shame we couldn't beat Norwich and Crystal Palace. They're, They're draws that probably should have been wins, even Arsenal nil nil we created so many chances and it gave me vibes of, of last season so you know it's, it's one of those where we have to wait and see but we've definitely got the potential and we've moved on from last season and i think we probably could finish just outside the european spots would be kind of the the limit maybe european who, who knows
0: no, you never know. I mean, you've got some impressive results against, I mean, you you, you beat Leicester um, earlier in the season, I believe. Um, and I think um, it's my understanding that you were uh, more, more impressive in sort of your second half against uh, Manchester City. But I mean, obviously you've got another tough test coming up at Anfield and uh, we'd be remiss not to get your thoughts on that and uh, how you think that's going to go, how you reckon uh, Potter's going to set up uh, the Seagulls. Oh, gosh, it's, it's a difficult
3: one because you're just brilliant, aren't you? Two five nils on the bounce—it's <laughs> quite terrifying. And how are you not top of the league? It's just Chelsea, isn't it? They've they've done equally as well. Uh they've also got well, got plus twenty goal difference, Chelsea. I didn't realise they'd done that well. They've only conceded three. I think that's your main threat. Man City as well, but they kind of sometimes there's your game against like the likes of Southampton, they might drop points, and that that kind of drops them down. It'll be the three of you as a title charge. United aren't in the conversation, neither are the likes of Tottenham, Leicester Arsenal. So you three are up there. Always going to be the hardest games of the season. And off the back of two, five nils. And most trick at Anfield. I'm not feeling too hopeful. <laughs> this is a, a, the best side we've ever had. It's it's never going to be easy, is it? Even in fifth. Last weekend, we were <laughs> calling it a top four clash against Man City. We were always going to get an, absolutely annihilated. Their squad is just in, incredible and Liverpool's is up there with it. So I've not got too high expectations. I think Potter will probably set up, not defensively, because he's not that kind of major. He's not a Chris Hutton where he'll just sit back or a Sean Dyson or Steve Bruce who will just sit there and wait for things to happen. He's like that, he's a bit more expansive. I think he'll try and make sure we have as much of the ball as possible just to kind of minimize your threats and just hope that things click on the field with our overlap with Kukurea. Hopefully, Lampsy will be fit enough. Basuma, I think that's very key. He played, he came off the bench midweek against Leicester, first time he'd been on the pitch since his injury. If he's fit, which I'm kind of doubting for a start, then that would make the difference and could potentially make game where we might be able to squeeze something out of it but without him i just don't see it unfortunately
0: i mean i'm gonna press you for a score prediction here even <laughs> oh
3: do you want to do you want to my head or my heart here
0: Oof. i mean let, let's hear both why not okay yeah.
3: my head says probably like a three four nil thrash i think four nil maybe four one um before last week i would have said something really low like a nil but after conceding four to Man City, before that game, we'd only conceded five goals in in eight games, which is incredible for us. We've not got massive names at the back. We've just got really strong units in the likes of Duffy and Dunk and then having Webster is a bit more expansive. Uh, after conceding four, though, anything can really happen. And An- Anfield as well, with, in the form of his life, Mo Salah. I think it probably will be three or four nil to be honest. Head and heart probably saying, heart saying more like a one nil. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be too disappointed with that. Obviously, you want to get something, but it's a bit of a damage limitation in terms of confidence and goal difference, I suppose. One all would be lovely.
0: Well, I mean, uh, Brighton have certainly looked very promising this season. And whatever happens at the weekend, I think many will be tipping you to you know fit, finish strongly uh, this term and hopefully just keep that upward progression under Graham Potter. Uh, but we're going to wrap that up here for now. And Charlie, as I just say, thank you for coming on to the show. It's been uh, very insightful. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed that little preview of Brighton with Charlie Haffenden. We know we did. And now we're just going to get the uh, the lad's thoughts on the game itself. I mean, I mean, Brighton have enjoyed a pretty impressive start to the season. It has to be said. They're obviously coming off the back of a four-one defeat to Manchester City in the league and being dumped out of the League Cup. Albeit, you know, taking the game to full time to all, you know, they, they've t- they've had some impressive results, um, but you know, you'd be you, backing Liverpool at this stage, you know, coming off of that United victory. And again, that 3-2 victory at the Wanda Metropolitan. And of course, the 2-0 victory with just a, a mainly youthy squad against Preston. Brick, uh, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: I mean, Brighton have been sort of overperforming for the most part, I feel like. It's it's like, when you look at look at the table and you see the likes of Brentford and Wolves are like, you know, 11th, Oh, so wolves are eleventh, Brentford Brentford are twelfth. That's where you'd expect them to be, sort of like around that area, mid table ish. But they they they've been doing well. I don't think that they'll have the stamina to sort of continue much further. Maybe you know, hopefully, you know, you always want to see a new team have a crack at European football with the you know the you know you've got Europa Conference as well. It's it sort of opens that the door up for that possibility. But for, in terms of the here and now I, I just have a have a have a good feeling that they'll just sort of slowly drop away over the next few months uh much like brentford did but yeah i i they've got a, a fairly decent squad there you, you know you, we've got basuma that we've been linked with uh we've got like pascal gross who's you know i've, I've admired him for a while um he's in the business for my fantasy team quite a few times uh you know you've got adam lallana who i don't think i need to tell you how much i love the fella and his underpants <laughs> what what more can you say i i just I, I feel like we're we're gonna absolutely walk over them but not in the sense that we do with man united i think they're gonna put up a bit more of a fight um i think it's it's gonna be closer to like you know three nil two nil maybe but like i don't think it'll be a complete walk in the park but it'll be you know a fairly when you look at the score line at the end of it it'll be like ah yeah well you know it's Liverpool and it's Brighton what do you
0: expect I mean it seems you've given a more optimistic uh, prediction than, than Charlie did uh, which I'm sure he'll be delighted to hear but, I mean we've had your score prediction there but Steve I'm going to come to you first for your team prediction and just your general thoughts for the game
2: yeah, naturally, as you'd expect. I think um, we won't see many of the lads that we saw at the League Cup, if, if any, really. Um, I think it'll be back to pretty much full-strength Liverpool. Um, it's obviously a weaker opposition than last time around, where you'd like to think anyway. Certainly United fans would like to think. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's still the Premier League. We're going to put out our strongest possible team. Um, I've, I've no doubts over that. I think it's it's... The typical front three that you'd expect to see i think you know you're going to be looking for the strongest possible midfield navigate the injuries that we've got and i think we'll probably see the return of uh virgil and Matic in the heart of the uh, defense Allison back and goal of course and our usual high flyer fullbacks Um so yeah the strongest possible eleven that you could imagine um and i think you know charlie touched upon it there that brighton aren't really going to sit back um which I, I think they will sit back a little bit more than maybe what is expecting, just purely because I think they may have learned a lesson um, over the last few few games, and they're not going to come to Anfield and going to try and dictate play. That is suicide. Um, if they try and dictate play, we'll walk all over them. Um, they have to sit back and try and get us on the break. They have to try and punch up the wings and just get a lucky goal or something like that. Um, I don't want to discredit Brighton. I think they're quite a, quite a nice positive uh, team they play some good football and um, they've certainly got some really good players in the team as well you know basuma um players like this um so i i don't think they're going to be a walk in the park uh like manchester united were um but i do think that it's going to be pretty bread and butter for liverpool we're going to dominate the game sort of how, how rick was saying it we're pretty much going to just dominate the game we're not going to storm them and win 5-0 i don't see that happening. I wouldn't put it past them to get a goal, to be honest, in a feisty outfit. And yeah, I, I think I might be actually copying Rick here, to be honest. But I, th- I think I think I'm going to go with a three-one scoreline. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Okay. It, it, it's I mean, it's quite something when we say that they're not going to be a, as much of a walk in the park as Manchester United. Um, quite bad when we're expecting a tougher game. But I mean, Rick, I, I was, uh,
1: was going to say, like, do we give Canate uh, another shot at centre back? Because obviously, I'm, I'm, obviously a yeah. reward for the Man United performance. But then again, like you know, Matip's been, uh, unless I'm missing out on an injury that he's he's picked up. Um, you know, I, I he's been so uh, Matip's been the the strong force for us for the last few months. I mean, it's you know, which which way do you go? Because obviously, Kanate is the more physical presence, but you know, Matip's got Matip's Matip.
0: I, I mean, I've personally got Kanate. On the board, um, I mean, I would be far from disappointed if Matip got back in the side. But we're so blessed in this situation to have the quality of centre halves we do. Just to casually pick and choose, you know, most teams would be lucky just to have a version of Van Dyke, let alone Van Dyke, Kanate, Matip, Gomez. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I've gone with Konate, but I think I either, you know, wouldn't be massively upsetting. But I mean, Rick, who who are you sort of favouring in terms of Klopp selection?
1: I mean, Klopp has a habit of, like, rewarding players for good performances and form and stuff like that. So I'd probably expect to see Canate line up. But, you know, I again, like I said, Matip's Matip. You know, he's done so well for us. And as long as he's fit and healthy, you know, I mean, there's n- too many chances where, or too many times where Matip's not been fit, and you know, and we could have needed him. So you just sort of need to use him whilst you can. But at the same time, he needs a rest. He's been playing pretty much nonstop until that man united game so i mean yeah i i think it'll lean towards Kanate, and that might be it you know it might be one of those where Kanate, as soon as he picks up form and you know matips just unless there's an injury might not get back into the squad who knows uh or get back into the, the starting 11 sorry but like yeah it's it's canate for me
0: Lovely stuff. And um, I mean, it it seems, I feel like Charlie was far less um, optimistic about Brighton's chances than uh, we all were. I think I'm I'm certainly, I'm going to go for something a little bit more optimistic. I reckon we'll keep, um, yeah, I think we'll keep a clean sheet in this one. You know, I think I'm going to go for a 3-0. Time will tell. For now, of course, Liverpool are in impervious form as our recent run of results has proven. And you'd be hard-pressed not to back Jürgen Klopp's men for our upcoming hosting of Brighton. At Anfield. We hope you've enjoyed this latest installment of the Red Nets podcast, and we'll look forward to having you all back on next week. Take care.